Good morning. Good morning. Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we're in this season of, of Christmas to remember the birth of your Son and to celebrate, Lord, that all that you would do to bring him, bring him to us and that we could end up learning so much and learning how to be the type of people you would have us be. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit, and may our hearts be open, and, our, and may we feel the joy of being part of your family always. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we will have a Christmas Eve service. We've decided to have it on the 24th. Is that, is that okay with you, Robert? Yeah, Robert agrees, 24, at, at 7 p.m. There'll be some special music. Uh, you can bring your lighters and hold them up. <laughs> so anyway, but we're really looking forward to it. It'll be a, a joyous time and, uh, you know, we'll be praising our Lord along with a short message. Let's worship our Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Today, we've lit the fourth Advent candle. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, do not fear, Mary. You shall conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus. Great will be his dignity, and he will be called Son of the Most High. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. A rainbow of hope. The Lord is near to all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Have you ever thought about what would have happened if Christ never came to the world? The babe in the manger grew up to become our crucified and risen savior, and the world has never been the same. His compassion, he made the world more compassionate. His healing touch made the more the world more humanitarian. His selflessness has made the world more self-effacing. Christ drew a rainbow of hope around the shoulders of men and women and gave them something to live for. If Christ had not come, this would be indeed a hopeless world. If Christ had not come, it would be a lost world. There would be no access to God there would be no atonement for sin, there would be no forgiveness of sin, and there would be no savior. Yes, Christ came into the world and made it a better place, and he will do the same for you if you will open your heart and your life to him. The hope for today, the Lord is near to those who call unto him, and with his nearness comes that perfect peace, complete joy, forgiveness of sins, and a life with purpose. Call out to him today. Seek him while he may be found. Amen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy.
Testament scripture today comes from Psalms 89, verses 1 through 4 and 19 through 26. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on the throne from now until eternity. Long ago, you spoke of a vision to the faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king, I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand. With my powerful arm, I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him, and by my authority he will grow in power. I will extend this, his rule over the sea, his dominance over the rivers, and he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. As we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our hope <coughs> and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give heed to what we say. News, news, Jesus Christ was born today. Oxen as before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to, a ma to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come about me come true. And then the angel left her. We have a responsive reading. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the gifts we give today are nothing compared to the gift that you gave us. The gift of your Son, which led to the gift of our salvation. Lord, but you do call on us to give back, to share with others, to, to show that we are your people, that we reach out, we help, that we can be 
a light to others that have not come to know you. So, Lord, we ask that you bless the gifts given today, and may we be worthy of that wonderful joy that you have presented us with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you will speak to us um, by your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit, you will take these words that uh, you've given to me to share, and I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, not just on, on, on me, Lord, but on all of us. May your Holy Spirit work and move in our lives and encourage us. And we thank you for this beautiful time of year when we celebrate again um, yearly the coming of our Savior. And we praise you and thank you for this opportunity to uh, draw together and celebrate you and your coming. So we just commit this time into your hands, Lord. May you be honored and glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to... Um, would like to share with you this morning a verse that you know shows up on a lot of Christmas cards um, in from Isaiah chapter nine. And just look at this, and and you know look at the look at this verse and um, and what it has to say. Isaiah nine six and seven. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so I'd like to talk, I, you know, really there's, there's two parts to this. The first, uh, in verse 6, is talking about the child that is to be born um, and the nature of this God who is coming. The second part, in verse 7, is talking about the eternal nature of the kingdom and the kingdom that this son will bring. And so I like to divide it into those two, into those two parts, uh, the nature of the son and the nature of the government that he is going to bring. Um, just a reminder that Isaiah was written uh, between somewhere between 740 and 680 BC. So we had approximately 700 years before Christ was born. We had Isaiah prophesying uh, about the coming of this uh, Son of God. And the first thing we find is that the Son will reign on David's throne. For us a child is born, to us a son is given. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. 2 Samuel 7.16, here's the prophecy that's given to David about the one who would come, and who would come out of the seed of David. Um, As it says, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. And then in in 2 Samuel 7.16, your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever, will, I'm sorry, will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. So the Messiah, we find, has to come out of the lineage of David. And, and it came out of the lineage of Abraham and so on, and all the way up to uh, the time of David, and then God speaks again to David and says, this Messiah is going to come from your seed. And that David's throne would be established forever. Uh, That it wasn't, you know, David was a temporal king. He he reigned for a period. But God said, your throne is going to be established forever. And so we have the prophecy then of the coming of this little child in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel, as I'm sure you're all aware, means God with us. Um, and so there we know that this birth of this child is going to be from a virgin and that he is going to be called God with us. So he is going to be incarnate. He is going to be 
God incarnate in human flesh. And then we see this fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 11. Uh, Today, in the town of David, okay, so Bethlehem, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Again, speaking of his, um, his eternal nature, uh, that he came from God and then he is, uh, came into human flesh. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. And so that's where we get, uh, you know, we get, a, uh, again, more Christmas cards. <laughs> uh, the little baby being born and put in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And then we see, so we see then the prophecy 700 years before Christ. We see the fulfillment 700 years later in Christ. But then we also see um, that the eternal nature of this kingdom in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So, so the, we see the, the birth of Christ foretold, prophesied, 700 years before he came on the scene. But then we see the fulfillment of (coughs) this same uh, little child as eternal um, and that he will come as a conquering king. And then let's go back to our verse again, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. Okay, That child is born for us, unto us, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what I'd like to do is look at each one of those and what those mean. Um, And you're going to get some Hebrew out of this, so uh, this is your first Hebrew lesson. (laughs) So the first word is Wonderful Counselor. Uh, That word wonderful and it's, uh, it's Pele in the Hebrew, in case you're uh, following along here. And it actually, it means wonderful, but it also means wonder itself. And so the one who is going to come then, um, is, it's the same root that's used to describe the miracles which God performed in Egypt. The dividing of the sea, the safe crossing of the Red Sea, the leading by power of cloud and fire, cleaving of the rocks in the desert, the providing of water, all those wonderful miracles that took place in Exodus then use this same root, that this coming son is is a wonder, one who performs wonders. So the Messiah then, who is to come, Isaiah is prophesying, is not merely someone extraordinary, but as one who in his very person and being is a wonder. It's actually used as a noun. It's actually a noun. It's not an ad- adjective in this. He's a wonder consular. And then the word consular, yo-eits, um, and it says in Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. All right, Jesse was the father of David. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power. The same, same word that's used here. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So we know then that on this Messiah will rest a spirit of wisdom and understanding and the spirit of counsel and of power. So he himself then is the consular. So he's not only a wonder, <coughs> but he's also a consular. So he's, he's God himself. He has all the majesty of heaven. But at the same time, he is a consular. He is somebody who is concerned for us. Now how many, 
gods, you know, do we see the Greek pantheon of gods and so on, and, and all the different religions and so on. I, I know in Islam, it's what I know the best. And in Islam, God is out there somewhere. He's, he's transcendent and he's glorious and majestic, but he's not a consular. He's not somebody who comes to us and is concerned with our infirmities. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. So the incredible thing is that we serve a God who is transcendent, who is mighty, who is, you know, is God himself, but that same God is concerned with us. I mean, isn't that incredible? I don't know how he does that. I don't know how he pulls it up, <laughs> but he does. He's concerned for our, you know, the things that we face, our infirmities. He's concerned with, our, you know, with the stuff that we struggle with. And he's there as a consular to bless us and to keep us and to encourage us and to give us counsel through his Holy Spirit. And so it says in Matthew 11, Come to me, the same God who is born as a baby, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, in this world, we have two kinds of, uh, two kinds of functions. We have rulers... And we have counselors. We have those who listen to us, and we have those who rule over us. And the incredible thing about this, this Messiah who is coming 700 years later is that he is both. He combines both of those features in one person. Somebody who is transcendent, majestic, marvelous, wonderful, and at the same time concerned for us and who we are and what we're going through our struggles, our sicknesses, our trials, our oppression, our disappointments. Um, that is incredible. He is there for the weary and burdened. And too often, and, and pretty much all the time, our national leaders, I mean, by definition, they've got to be detached from us. You know, they're aloof from us. But this God, who, who came in the form of that little baby, is not aloof from us. He is concerned for us and he's with us. How many of you have watched the series The Crown? Any, any of you seen that? Yeah, some of it. Um, we've watched uh, four seasons of it. So, uh, But in this, uh, it's, it's about the Queen Elizabeth and, and the whole monarchy in Great Britain. And, and Queen Elizabeth is portrayed... Now, I don't know if she's really this way in real life, but, but probably she's very aloof. And not, you know, not, certainly not the consular type. <laughs> you know, there's one scene where, where uh, uh, Diana actually comes up and tries to hug her, and she doesn't know what to do with it. You know, she's, just, she's just like, I, I don't know what to do with this, you know, with somebody trying to hug me. And she didn't even know her own children very well. And at one point, she got convicted of that. Uh, she's a Christian, by the way, and that, that's, that's a wonderful thing about it. But aloof. And so she decided, I need to reconnect with my children. So she had her, her secretary, personal secretary, write down some things about her children so that she'd make sure that she memorized that so, so she'd make sure about her children. And, and, and when she met with them, she'd have something to ask them about. And I thought, you know, what a contrast with the God that we serve. You know, God doesn't have to ask, uh, you know, what you're involved with and the, and the struggles that you're facing. He knows those things. That's who he is. Because he's both mighty and wonderful, and he's also a consular. Second thing is, he's the mighty God, the El Gibor. And the word El, is, it just, it's the word that's used for God, and it's like an El Shaddai, El El Elyon, uh, lots of uh, titles are given to him. It's just the Hebrew word that's used for, for God. 
And, and then Gibor is a hero. A hero whose chief characteristic is that he is God. So the emphasis then on this particular uh, title of the Messiah is that the emphasis on might and strength. So not only is God transcendent, but he is mighty and he is strong. He's able, he's, he's a mighty warrior for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 and 25 says this, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after, listen to this, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. That's the God we serve. We serve a God, Jesus Christ, who is, has dominion and authority and power over absolutely everything. There is nothing that, that Jesus does not have authority and, and power over. He's absolutely powerful. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. <laughs> the next series of two words is <laughs> aviadad. And the word avi is the word that um, we get, uh, like in Matthew chapter uh, 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'm sure you've heard it before. That that word is a, is a word that's used of, a, of intimacy with, a, with your own Father. So in other words, God comes, you know, we come into, not into God's office, but we come into God's living room. And, and we, we take up residence with God in his living room. He's a father. He's a father to us. And so the picture is one of great Im intimacy. God is personal to us. And you as his child, you're not, you know, somebody who comes into his office, you're somebody who walks into his living room and sits up on the father's lap and the father puts his arms around you and says, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to bless you. That's, that's what Isaiah is pointing toward, that he is, a, he is a father to us. And not only is he a father, but he's the father of eternity. There's no end. We come into that living room and we are going to reign with Christ one of these days when all, when all dominion and authority and power has been defeated. We're going to reign with him as a father and a child for eternity. That's going to be pretty incredible. The last set of words is the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. And Sar means a chieftain or, or the head. So this one who is to be born is the head or the sovereign or the ruler over all peace. He ushers in peace. Now our world is under the dominion of the prince of this world. Isn't that right? Um, unfortunately, we live in a world in which Satan... Is, has immediate, has the immediate rule. God has the ultimate rule. But Satan um, is the prince of this world. He's called the prince of this world. One, it's not always going to be like that. One day, the world will be under the dominion of the prince of peace. And the prince of peace is going to usher in peace forever. And... <clears throat> You know, I mean, we certainly don't see much peace today, do we? I mean, you turn on, it doesn't take two minutes with the news on to see war somewhere, or somebody killing somebody else, or, I mean, it's just a mess. And the good news as we celebrate Christmas is that there's one who is coming who is going to be Prince of Peace, establish eternal peace over this world. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And not only is, the, is he the prince or the ruler, but he's the ruler of shalom. 
or peace. Remember we talked about this probably, I don't know, a month ago or something like that. And shalom in the Hebrew is everything that makes for a person's highest good. It's a positive state of wholeness, soundness, and prosperity. Tranquility of heart derived from the all-pervading consciousness that our lives are in the hands of God. So <clears throat> this ruler then is going to usher in a, a kingdom in which there will be wholeness and wellness, in which everything in our hearts, that tranquility of heart, that, that we will enjoy forever that kind of peace. So, we have a Messiah who is wonderful and a wonderful counselor. He's a wonder. He's majestic. He's a counselor, an advocate, somebody who is on our side and listens to us. He's a strong hero who has the authority to execute righteous judgment. He's an eternal father who protects and provides for us. He's a father who loves his children unreservedly and unconditionally. And he's the originator of peace and the embodiment of peace. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're celebrating. That's, what we, that's the message we have to give to this world, is that that's the one, you know, we're celebrating the coming of the one who has all those characteristics. But not only are we looking at the nature of the one who is to come, who was to come, because it's in the past tense, but we're also looking at the kingdom that he's come and that he's coming to establish. So we have a totally different kind of king, but his kingdom is also totally different. So let's look at it. Verse 6, And the government will be on his shoulders. Verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the first thing we see about this kingdom that Jesus is coming to establish is that it is eternal. It never ends. <clears throat> he, the Prince of Peace is going to usher in a time of everlasting peace. And only God can give that kind of peace. In Luke 1, we see the fulfillment of this. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. This is the word given to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, again, that Davidic lineage, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, going back to Jacob um, and the lineage that leading up to the time of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So holiness, peace, joy, and righteousness will rule forever. Isn't that incredible? I remember when we first, uh, you know, when I first became a Christian, and we were up in Tequilma, Oregon, southern Oregon, and, um, and I, just, I, I could just remember that and, and, and feel it again, of, of that sense of peace, that sense of wholeness, that sense of God's presence. And we are going to enjoy that. And I'm sure all of you have felt that or you wouldn't be here. And you're going to enjoy that forever. That was just a little foretaste of, of what is going to come. You are going to reign in that sense of the presence of God forever. Time without end. Second thing is that the government will be on his shoulders. All government will be placed under the feet of Jesus. Ephesians 1. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So Christ's first coming then was to establish the motivation, establish his self-sacrificing love for us. 
The second coming, he is going to come as a mighty king. And the second coming, he will come as head of everything. All right, now he's head over the church. And he's head of or ruler of your heart. You've given him your heart. You've said, Jesus, come in and dwell in me. And so God's Holy Spirit dwells in us, but there's coming a time when that same Holy Spirit who dwells in us is going to establish his rule and authority over absolutely everything that there is and destroy evil in the process. Isn't that incredible? He is going to destroy everything that is evil, everything that brings pain. Third, his kingdom is righteous and just. So not only do we find that the the Messiah is righteous and just, but his kingdom is righteous and just. Uh, Back to verse 7. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So not only is the king righteous, but the kingdom that he is bringing to establish on this earth will be righteous and just. Now, many of the rulers of this world rule by force. Isn't that right? They come, and and even though, you know the the, uh, saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what we see so often, we just see it time after time after time, that those who come, uh, and they may have great intentions at the beginning, uh, but eventually they get corrupted. I'm not saying every single ruler is, is corrupted. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's the pattern that we usually see. But this kingdom that the Messiah is going to establish, the whole nature of that kingdom is, is that of righteousness and justice. And we are going to be, we are going to reign forever with somebody who is absolutely righteous and just and who established a kingdom which is absolutely righteous and just. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? To be in a kingdom that lasts forever, that has absolute righteousness as its core. Now our system of government in the United States, we all have, we have check-in uh, we, we have built-in checks and balances because, because of human nature. Human nature is that of, you know, uh, we are sinners. And so we have to have a government which deals with man as a sinner. But part of what's going to happen in this coming kingdom is that sin is going to be eradicated. And we are going to reign with him, and we are going to reign together without sin. I mean, that's, that's going to be incredible. Revelations 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one, this is John talking, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Now listen to this. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. The lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David. He is able to open the scroll, scroll and, and its seven seals. Then, verse 6, Then I saw a lamb, looking as it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So here's the wonderful thing. That the lion... I mean, the the lamb becomes a lion. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? I mean, usually, you know, you you don't have lions and lambs together. (laughs) And particularly not the same person. But the lamb of God becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
The one who is slain becomes the ruler of the universe. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So the suffering servant came the first time to die for our sins. The second time, man, he's coming, and he's coming on a charger. First time he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Second time he's coming in on a charger. In fact, he's coming in in the clouds and every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The suffering servant becomes Lord of the universe. That is what, that, that's our message as a church. The suffering servant became the ruler, becomes the ruler of the universe. The lamb becomes a lion. Furthermore, all the methods that he uses to establish this kingdom are justice and righteousness. Well, that's certainly not what we find today, is it? That rulers rule by justice and righteousness. I, a number of years ago, um, I was in a little town in central Bulgaria, and I was meeting Caroline in Istanbul, and so I had to get uh, to Istanbul from Bulgaria. <clears throat> and so I was doing a, uh, a seminar there, a week-long seminar there, and so one of the pastors was driving to the eastern part of Bulgaria, and he said, I'll take you with me, and then you can hop on a bus and get down into Istanbul, because Istanbul's right on the, uh, almost on the Bulgarian border, just uh, very close to it. So as we're riding along, he began to share his story, and he said, uh, he said his grandmother um, was alive during the time of Stalin, and if you remember, Stalin murdered 50 million of his own people. And part of the way he did that, and he described what his grandmother went through. He said, Stalin came in, and, um, and in order to collectivize and establish communism in Bulgaria, and over all the whole Soviet Union at that time, what he did was he went into a village, and he burned all the fields and slaughtered all the animals so that they had to collectivize. They couldn't exist unless they collectivized and came together. And I thought, you know how often that happens in this world, that rulers establish their rulership through unjust means. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom by righteous means. And in his first First coming, Jesus established his trustworthiness. In his second coming, he'll come to rule in righteousness. Praise the Lord. As a result, the subjects obey wholeheartedly. What happens is that most rulers in the world system rule and establish their establish their power through oppression and tyranny, and people obey out of fear. Isn't that right? I mean, most, most of the reason we, we obey is out of fear. But when Jesus comes, his kingdom is going to be established with those of us who obey not out of fear, but out of joy and gladness and thanksgiving. And we can obey from the heart wholeheartedly because we've already seen a king who died for us. We know it's the same king who gave his life for us that we might have life. And we are going to reign with that same king forever. And it's not out of compulsion. No compulsion. He's not going to come and say, well, you've got to do it. You know, I'm king. and No. We are going to, I mean, after all that we've experienced on this earth and all the unrighteousness that we've seen and how many rulers we've seen rule out of unrighteousness, we are finally going to serve one, a ruler, who is absolutely righteous. We know that in the depths of our heart and we know that he died for us. Wow. 
And furthermore, the king's rule is ethically right, both internally and externally. So we have a king then who who agrees with and everything that Jesus will do in that coming kingdom is going to agree with our conscience. Isn't that incredible? It's going to agree with our conscience. And we'll know, yeah, that's right, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good decision. Because because God made us, and so God himself coming in human flesh is going to establish a kingdom that agrees with that internal part of us that says that, that, that knows what right and wrong is. And everything that Jesus does is going to be in accordance with our, the, our conscience and what we know is right and what we know is wrong. So we have a righteous king who will come to rule justly. And then it says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The initiative for all of this comes from where? Comes from God himself. God wanted to establish a people and a kingdom to rule forever. And you're it. (laughs) And I'm it. We're part of that kingdom. So then how should we live? Let me read our text again. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Consular, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, and over his throne establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what does that mean to us in our lives today? And as we anticipate um, celebrating Christmas together. Well, most importantly, this is not our home. Okay. This is not it. Uh, this, this home, this earthly tabernacle that we live in is just temporary. And you are going to uh, inherit a brand new kingdom in a brand new body. Twenty twenty has been a tough year for all of us, hasn't it? I mean, I, I'm amazed as I've read through Christmas cards. Almost everybody starts with twenty twenty was a rough year, <laughs> and, and then they go on and talk about you know what you know what they what they've done in spite of it. The good news is that for those of us with a personal relationship with the Messiah, this isn't the end of the story. This is just a drop in the bucket. This is just a foretaste of what God is going to do. We have a different home. Hebrews 11 says they were longing. This, is, this comes in the Hebrews 11 is that, is that chapter about the heroes of the faith. And it says they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And we, as the people of God, we long for that heavenly home, don't we? And so part of what Christmas is, is is just this celebration that this isn't it. You know, there's good things, and and praise God, God gives us a lot of wonderful things to celebrate in this life and family and so on, but this isn't it. This is just a foretaste of what God is going to do. 1 Peter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So you've got an inheritance, an eternal inheritance, prepared for you from the foundation of the world, kept in heaven. And you're going to go claim it someday. You know, an inheritance doesn't depend on how good we've been, does it? An inheritance depends upon the one, the, the one who gave you the inheritance. And God himself gives you this incredible inheritance in heaven. And heaven is going to be an absolutely wonderful place. In Isaiah 11, it says this, The wolf will live with a lamb, the leopard will lie down with a goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. 
The cow will feed with the bear, the y- their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. Now listen to this. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now I don't know what, you know, heaven's going to be like. I mean, I, I, you know, just like you, I get a little foretaste of it every now and then. And, you know, I, I, I just know who's going to be there. <laughs> and that's enough. You know, that, that we're going to reign with Jesus Christ. And when I look at who he is, I go, wow, it's got to be good. But we know that there's going to be no destructive forces in heaven. Nothing to hurt or destroy. There's eternal life. You know, every now and then on this earth, good things happen, but they don't happen forever. Up there, good things are going to happen, and we're going to go, wait a minute, this is, this is for good. <laughs> you know, this is eternal. This will never end. <clears throat> There'll be no, more, no sickness, no death. Fulfillment of all our yearnings and longings that we have deep inside of us. All of those things are going to be fulfilled. There's absolute righteousness, integrity, and joy, and peace, and love. Absolute, here's the thing that gets me, absolute beauty. You know, sometimes you, you just see something and you, a sunset or, you know, or something, and you go, wow, that is beautiful. We're gonna, that heaven is going to be that kind of beauty forever, all the time, full-time beauty. We'll collect our rewards. We'll co-reign with Christ. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. There'll be no sin, deception, malice in people's hearts. There'll be, this is the part I love, perpetual learning and discovery. I love to learn stuff. I, that's one of the things I just love to do. I love to learn new things. And we're going to be able to do that forever. And listen to this. Worship with all the best musicians of all time. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, you know, uh, hearing Handel play the Messiah, <laughs> Messiah, and and uh, you know, and hear all the great musicians of all time praising God together with all the best music of all time. John Stott wrote this. He said, "One day you will join the church triumphant, the great multitude that no one will be able to count." drawn from every nation, tribe, people, and language, and you will stand with them before God's throne. The king of the universe will give you refuge in the shelter of his throne. You will see him and worship him day and night. The lamb turned shepherd will lead you with the rest of his sheep to fountains of living water. You will satisfy your thirst forever at his eternal springs. And best of all, we will reign with a righteous wonderful, just, loving, compassionate, self-sacrificing, powerful king forever. So the kingdom is going to be absolutely wonderful, but the king is also wonderful and accessible and personal and loving and caring, concerned for us and completely trustworthy. That's what we serve. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) And, and, and the, the message that we have at Christmas time is, folks, you can enjoy that. You can be part of that. God bless you. Let me, you know what? Let me pray. And I would just want to pray that God will use us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and what, you know, what is awaiting those who know him? Father, we pray in Jesus' name. As a congregation, I pray for each one of us that you'll give us an opportunity this Christmas just to share the good news of Christ, the eternal kingdom that is coming. And Lord, we get together with people that we love dearly. And we, we, we just love them from the depths of our heart. And we know that if we love them, you love them even more. Help us to share that love of Jesus Christ with, with those with whom we gather this Christmas. And use us, Lord, to encourage them and, 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 and draw them to the kingdom of God. 
And we thank you and we praise you what you have done for us. Lord, help us to turn that around and love others into Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. destined to be and what he is destined to be. Lord, that he is our God, the creator of our world, and that you will have him rule forever. We wait for him, and in the meantime, Lord, we, we, we practice what he has taught us and, and come closer to you by learning more about you and learning more about him and how he would have us be. Lord, we lift this up and we praise and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. God be with us till we meet again. Do we meet?